Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts podcast for October 18th of 2019. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from Hunger Overland. (laughs) (laughs) So I apologize right now. Um, Yeah, well, I'm on the opposite end of that, so uh, I think I'd rather be me right now. Correct. You do not want to be you Uh, tomorrow. We'll see. We'll see. Now, Pittsburgh Penguins. We just saw the conclusion of the Pittsburgh-Dallas game, a 4-2 victory over the Stars. That means the Penguins, the brutally injured and their lineup not even close to being optimal Penguins, five wins in a row, doing what they need to do through this stretch, and quite frankly, I'm impressed with the results. Are you impressed with how they're getting the results? I mean, um, results are results, let's, let's be honest. But are there yeah, any... they just got to get through the stretch. Yeah. Um, and any team that's you know, loses an Evgeny Malkin kind of thing, you kind of look the other way. And even Galchenyuk, who is the prime piece... Like, they got rid of Phil Kessel. He's not there. Galchenyuk was supposed to be there. He got bit by a spider. Maybe he comes back, like, and scores 90 goals because, like, you know, he has superpowers or something. I don't know. (laughs) But they're missing missing key guys, and they're getting results. I don't think it's been um, pretty the whole way. And quite frankly, I think a lot of it has been propped up by Sidney Crosby and Matt Murray, and that's fine. Because, you know, when when a team is this injured, I'm not looking to see if they're analytic darlings. Do you know what I mean? No, no, no. I, I fully understand that. The question, I suppose, the concern I have is you you sit there and go. Are there things that are going on with this team that when they get healthy are still going to cause them problems? Because if Murray has a a, a small little drop-off or if Sid has a small little drop-off during this period, are they just going to get torched? Because they've got nothing, you know, they haven't got a second, I haven't got a second line. The third and the fourth lines are, are chipping in goals that you just go, really? Okay, we'll take that. I just get worried. Yeah, they, they, and, they, and they certainly are. So kudos to that. Yeah. The timing has been great. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, so, especially with the, the Wilkes-Barre group that, other than Sam Lafferty, who might actually carve out a fourth-line role, you know, those guys yeah. aren't going to. Blandese and Johnson are not legitimate, like, contributors. No. But they're doing exactly what the club needs, which is great. And you, you hope that you're minor league team depth can, can fill in a fill in a hole uh, while it's there. I just you sit there and go New York Rangers tonight, right? Basically should have lost twenty five nil, but they've got Henry Lundquist in net. And you have a look at uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets where Bob Brovsky was pretty much bailing out I I think a bad coaching system with Tortorella. Um and so they're being exposed now for, for not having 
the the right players for what they need to cover up the fact that they have a now human goalie. And so if Matt Murray has a little bit of a drop-off, I just wonder whether some of the mistakes that they're making are going to start getting more exposed. If you've got Gino and Galchenyuk around and... and um, oh, Bukestad that? the one I was after. Rust. Yeah, you have them around. You can catch it. You can make up those errors. Do you know what I mean? Like, you've got the offense to do... They just have no offensive output to do that. I mean, they scored three before the empty net tonight. But they're... They're getting away with some of this stuff because of their goalie, which is great. That's what the goalie is there to do. Well, and here's the other part. The early part of the season has been easier. And really, the only hard game they've had so far is Colorado. Tonight, I thought, like, be, it, heading into the season, you would think Dallas would be... Uh, Included on that list, but man, they are a shit show. They have one win in nine games now, and I they scored twice. One was a breakaway. Okay, so Jamie Benn had the primary assist on the breakaway, but he hasn't had a great start to the year. I don't even think I noticed Sagan much. No, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that team. Like Taylor Sagan's older now. Yeah, he's, 27. he's what, 20, 27? Like, still, I, I'm not saying he's not still a great player, but Jamie Ben's 30-something, low 30s. Um, he's 30, Pavelski's 35. Yeah, Pavelski's hasn't done shit for them. Uh, the the Hints kid is driving the bus. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the problem. The five goals is great in nine games. Nobody's helping him. And so tonight, no, I am not taking anything away from the Penguins. They they shouldn't give a crap about Dallas's struggles. No. It's just another game they're grinding through. I'll tell you what. I'll be super impressed if the Penguins go into tomorrow against Vegas and have the, the better half of the play. Yeah. Vegas is a legit powerhouse team and if they can control the play tomorrow okay i'm gonna have to really think about like what the hell am i looking at in this sport anymore (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean yeah like vegas is really good and but man i gotta give the 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 penguins this season could have gone sideways much like the Dallas Stars. It easily could have. Oh, this yeah. is a lot of injuries. A lot of injuries. But they're on a five-game fucking winning streak with a bare-bones operation, as much as bare-bones can be when you still have Sid and Latang and Murray. And they have banked the points necessary to absorb a skid pretty crazy and you know potentially a season saving stretch here in october and i know it's ludicrous to 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 say you're saving the season in october but this had the makings of a potential disaster and they've um they've avoided it well they've given they've given themselves a chance to make the playoffs because you, you look at, like, I don't think Jersey can make the playoffs 
when you've had a, a one in seven start. It, it's just there's too many points to climb. And because yeah, you, you, you can because it's October, but yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. One in seven is a hell of a it's hole hard. to dig out of. Yeah, like it's it's like I think many are done. Like I just I just think they're toast. I'd say this Dallas team is toast and and you sort of shake your head saying that out loud and you go they're so far underwater points wise I, I just can't see them having a a streak big enough to get them back above you know winning 43 games or something like that you kind of yeah I just it, and that team doesn't look like it should struggle I don't know, but here we are, and they are second to last in the Eastern Conference. It's crazy. The Rangers are ahead of them. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. Well, I don't know if they counted the game tonight. Well, well, here's the other problem I'm looking at. Regardless if they counted the game tonight, it says the Rangers have played four games and the yeah. Devils seven. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. That, that's so, like, it's the same in the in the West. Uh, somebody's only who who was it? Chicago's only played four as well. So the teams that went obviously overseas have barely played. Um, so they have, they're not in that situation yet. The Dallas are. Like they've played an eighth of the year. And they've got three points. Like, that's just nuts. And like you said, P- Pittsburgh have beaten who they've had in front of them. And that's all you can do, is is beat who you play. And, and they've managed to do it. If you're catching them when they're slumping, well, good luck to you. Well, here's, here's the deal. They are tied with Carolina for first in the division. Yeah, which is fantastic. Because Carolina's been a buzzsaw. They are actually going to be – oh, it updated. They're second in the Eastern Conference, only behind Jason Botterill's Buffalo Sabres. Look at the Sabres go. Yeah, I don't think the Sabres are that good, but I do think they are better than they've been in the last few years. But, again, they're winning games as well. So um, it just goes to show this stretch is super important, uh, even – even with seven, or let's see here. Yeah, there's they're what an eighth through the season. Yeah, about that, or a tenth through the season. Yeah, they still got nine tenths of the year to go. But like, wow, coming out of the gate like that, that kids, the points are all the same. Yep. Like when people are scrapping in March, you got to remember. The, the ones in October. Penguins are scrapping right now, and it's been pretty good. And uh, no surprise, the driving catalyst, you know, and I had a hypothesis going into the stretch, Sidney Crosby has to be a freak. Matt Murray has to play above average. They're getting both. Kind of helps, doesn't it? You know, Sid's, Sid's on a... Hart Trophy nomination pace, and I say nomination just because even with his hot start, Connor McDavid is <laughs> doing his thing, and um, the you know that's that's a tough guy to catch right now. 
he he is the the next Sid, and he's younger, so that's going to be tough for him to catch him. But Sid has had many multi-point games to start the year, and he's had a point in every game. Um, did he have one? Tonight? I don't think he had one. This is like I think this was the the streak breaker for Sid. Yeah, this might be the first one he didn't have a point in. And they yeah. still won four to two, but he has been driving it. Like that line has been fantastic, and I don't know how you could expect him to do anything more than he's done. Yeah, he went pointless tonight, but you know, so be it. <laughs> he's he's human. But here, here's what I do like about, obviously, Gensel with Crosby is great. Um, I think long-term they should leave Dominic Simone there. I think there's a lot of good that happens when he's out there. I think that, yes, ideally speaking, you would like him to contribute more from a tangible points perspective. But he does do little things that keep plays alive, which is what Chris Kunitz used to do. Although, so, albeit Kunitz was a little bit more offensively gifted. Um, the Latang highlight goal tonight was off of the stick of Simone poking it free, but poking it with a purpose towards Latang winning that foot race. The point of Dominic Simone is to compliment. He's not going to have good offensive numbers. And I think when pe- if people accept that he's not going to have top-line numbers offensively and understand that he's the type of guy that will keep plays going for like the really good players, like Latang got to do the thing he did tonight on that um, ridiculously good goal. And I'm not bending over bat like that Simone play all he did was poke the puck it wasn't something like super impressive but those are just the little battles the little things he does to keep plays going that's the value with him playing up there then you can have the talent facilitate down depth wise so if you can play him up you can make other lines stronger by doing that and that that's the value with Simone playing on the top line. You push other people down. He's not going to hurt the top line. The numbers show possession, expected goals, all of that help the top line. And you just have to get around the fact he might not be getting the actual points. But you're putting a depth player in a spot and he's not holding anything back. He's not dragging that line down at all. No. And that makes the other lines better, so. Well, it allows you to not have to put Rust up there. Yeah, I've never been a fan of that. But generally, that's generally what, you know, people ask for. It's like, if Simone isn't contributing offensively, like just with raw numbers, people go, well, we've got to get him off. Rust can score goals, let's put him up there. But... You need you, you want the talent to go through the lineup so you can get some of your good players playing against the other team's third line. That's what you're looking for. Yeah, precisely. And um, 
know, we I don't, don't think we... Hornquist can do it anymore. No. He had a goal and two assists tonight, so that's a great night. But I do think like the foot speed and everything, and I, I don't think Crosby's ever been a huge fan of the style. The he he, he might have. Oh my God, it's crazy. That's all. Like, it's, it's, just... it's getting worse and worse. Like there is no. I how many street. You know, they got this tracking technology now. I want to know how many strides that guy takes with the puck on a <laughs> stick. It's where he, he's got to finish. He's got to finish, like, at the bottom. Not to say there aren't things he does. Like, he had a tip goal tonight. Obviously, you're not taking a stride with the puck, tipping the puck in like he did. But man, the neutral zone transition stuff—it's more glaringly obvious when when it's not with Crosby or Malkin. One thing I and, one thing I will notice when he is out there with Crosby or Malkin is that puck gets on his stick, he gets it off his stick real quick, like he legitimately does. Like I feel like he's learnt now that he shouldn't be carrying the puck ever, and he's gone get it to the people that can quickly. I, I've seen him. Particularly when he's coming down the middle of the ice, I have seen him flip it off to the boards to the other puck carriers on his line more this year than I have any other stage. So, you know, maybe they've gone, dude, you just can't carry the puck because you're useless at it. You've got a whole heap of other stuff you're good with. Give it to the guys that can and then get to your spot. Yeah, he's a station to station guy. Hmm. But, um, you know, he's... um. His his goal totals are he's I think scored his fourth tonight through eight games. It's fifty. A, it's fifty. Is it? Oh, it's 40. forty. Forty. Patrick Hornquist forty goals career high this year. You heard it here first. <laughs> but you know they they need that. He can't do what he did last year and and go. Half a year. It felt like half a year without a goal. That that wasn't very good at all. And he, he um, needs to produce an even strength for him to be the value. They need to get value out of that contract. Yeah, That's because all. the power play stuff is whatever. Yeah, anybody on that power play is going to get points at some point. So, yeah. So the top line's been doing their thing. I want to speak a little bit about. Jared McCann scored tonight, but he needs to score because he's been a train wreck. Now, we'll see how much of that has to do with injury, but his line with Cahoon and Hornquist, and, and here's the thing. We're, we're pretty tough on Patrick Hornquist, but the possession numbers have never been, like, bad. I remember looking at a game earlier last week, and he was one shot attempt for 17 against. McCann? No, Hornquist. Oh, wow. Yeah. Have you ever even seen him in that territory? Because no. I don't recall. No, I don't like, either. We give him grief for the transition and stuff, but like he's he's fine defensively, and you know he, his possession numbers have always been good. There was a stretch of play where here he, he 
Jared McCann and Dominic Cahoon were just getting buried. And <laughs> McCann scored tonight. Big goal. Get the Penguins on the board. Uh, he had just missed the game for injury. Uh, we'll see if the injury was the cause of it. But, you know, I, I had written in the past, the Penguins are kind of leaning on McCann a little bit much because there's really nothing about his sample that speaks to being super offensively gifted. His uh, prominence with the Penguins has been with Sid. So if he's not on that line and Simone is playing there, um, we need to find out, can he contribute? And tonight he did. And we'll see where that goes. But that line had been getting buried, and that was the quote-unquote second line. Well, that's the they've got a first line, and then I would say right now they've got three third lines, or two third lines and a fourth. And that's they're fair. Just, they're just getting they're just getting lucky because guys are doing the right things. That whole old hockey adage of you play the right way, good things will happen. That's what it feels like is going on. Yeah, they've had some... can't argue with the results right now. No, that's right. Um, so, I do actually want to um, speak to Zach Aston reese a little bit. His expected goals is um, possession. Very uh, high 50s right now. Um, contributing a little bit offensively, and I think we tend to forget how many injuries he's dealt with when he finally gets a little bit of uh, momentum going, you know, getting acclimated and doing some things. But uh, so far, he's he's actually outside of the top line. He's one of the forwards that grades out on, in these metrics pretty okay right now. He just doesn't seem to be getting the the offense rewards, though. No, he's with Bluger and Tanev, and, you know, Teddy Bluger, I, I don't know what he's eventually, his role will eventually be on this team. Fourth line he, setup. He, yeah, he might, he might be out of that gig if Sam Lafferty sticks around. And, and that's fine because, you know, I'm not – married to Teddy Bluger's being on the roster. I think the point that was always made about Bluger when, when you watch Matt Cullen's uh, corpse on the ice, <laughs> like, like he should have been playing over him. But if you got another guy that can skate even better than um, Bluger, you know, that that's healthy competition. Yeah. Which they need because there have been times where they've had none. And that's so, probably one of the bonuses of all the injuries is you do get to see who can and can't do stuff for you early. But that just shows you, like the Sam Lafferty stuff. We'll see. We'll see what happens in the future. Um, he's had a nice start to his NHL career here. I think it is cool that he's kind of semi-local. Yeah, I always I always like seeing that stuff. And um, 
you know, I'm I am not taking a shot at Brandon Tanev's sample. He he he's not playing bad. That I I I can't stress enough how difficult it is going to be discussing Brandon Tanev during <laughs> his Penguins tenure because of the contract versus him not being a Jack Johnson type. Like he is going to do some good things. He's not total dog shit. But when you watch Lafferty and everybody's kind of like getting on that Lafferty train, it makes you wonder like, well, shit, Lafferty's a $700,000 player. He's, he's motoring around. What makes Tan have the 3.5 million? People are going to point to the penalties drawn right now because that's like he had a stretch of really um, he, he's drawn quite a few early on. In the <laughs> and, you know, if I'm being honest, like he's not hurting the team at all. But I don't think a lot of the people discussing him thought he was going to necessarily hurt the on ice product. It's. It's it's always the roster management aspect. How much is he helping versus the cost to acquire kind of thing? And being in a cap sport, it's really tough to separate that. Yeah, you you, you... It's hard because you go what Tanner provides to the team in game, it's great what he does. But you go he's getting paid X amount in a cap world. Quite clearly, you and I both think he's being overpaid for what he provides. That I think even that... his staunchest uh, supporters would agree. Yeah. So it's the thing. When you watch Tanev, it's like, great, you've just done something awesome. That's like, I can accept that watching the game. But you still got to get there and go, this team has holes in it. And there are parts of this team that are overpaid. He's one of those parts. I mean, quite clearly, there is a third pairing de- de- defenseman. Uh, duo that are well overpaid, but that's the cap management issues you have. And when you've got superstars who are aging, they can't carry the load all the time. Even though Sid currently is, they're not going to get that every like. You can't keep falling back on that. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And and that's the problem with contracts like Tanner. It's not that he's not going to provide something on the ice. It's that you're paying way too much for what that output is. And I like his speed. Baffling. Speed's been good. Yeah. Um, game-winning goal, shorthanded in Can't overtime. <laughs> I mean, you know, he he didn't really put it in the net. Well, McKinnon just didn't he? <laughs> no, it was Landis Cobb. Oh, it was Landis Cobb. Um, that's right. <laughs> but but this but I like the speed. Like the speed was evident. But back to my Lafferty point, who makes um, you know, three million less than him. It was Lafferty's center drive on that play that opened up. But I guess the greater point is having team speed. That stuff happens. Yeah. Well, you, you get everyone pushing but back. But he can't and... finish worth the shit. <laughs> I guess that's the frustrating part. You're paying $3.5 million. I, he, he, Like, he is generating some open space. But I think Penguins fans are going to come to find out his hands ain't worth a damn as far as finishing. So I suppose my question here around this is, what's your sort of mental cutoff for somebody starts earning X amount of money 
for them to have to have some hands to actually produce some offensive output. Because I, I feel like that's probably the breaking point for contracts. And if somebody can work out what that is, they won't pay over it uh, unless somebody can actually produce some, some offense. And I'm because like, what's Hornquist on? Five point five, I think. Now he gets his points on the power play. I mean, he's had some five-on-five success. Last year wasn't it. We'll see. This year might be. Who knows? Yeah. They need it to be, put it that way. Yeah. Because you sort of look down the Penguins' lineup, and they've got a lot of guys. Well, I look at a Sam Lafferty who has speed and is is tenacious, making 700K. Yeah, so with Lafferty, though, what's your cutoff point to say, this is as much as I'm going to pay for a guy that can't offensively produce. Like, you're going to go to two mil, you're going to go to one and a half. It's like, if you can cap those signings... Term it, plays a role. It does. Six because, years, three and a half. Like, who the fuck was bidding against you? Yeah, this will be a recurring theme, I think, with Ted Evans. Like, was <laughs> Dale Talon faxing things aggressively to Rutherford? I'm going to fucking get you on this guy. <laughs> but I guess... Yeah. Ultimately, the, the Talon facts didn't get through, so Rutherford never knew he... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, he. The thing is, Tanev's there now for, for a long time. Yeah. He, he, the thing with him is he, he has a very small NHL sample, and he's... In his late 20s, so... Like, there's a lot of risk. A lot of risk. And... I... And and here's the nuance of the conversation. And... I notice I haven't been, like, criticizing a lot of his current play. Because I, I think he's been fine. Yeah. I, I really do. And... The, the issue... Is you you already have seven million in a really bad bottom pairing, and we're going to transition to that conversation in the very near future. <laughs> so you got seven million there now. You, now you're paying three and a half for like a maybe third liner who has no scoring touch. Like you only get so many whoops contracts, and they just doing them so that that part was the frustrating part but do like the fact he's drawn some penalties uh i looked into a little bit of it in winnipeg it, it he has a good differential there as well so especially now with um so many forwards out and the lack of offensive punch i, I mean i know they're on a five game winning streak but i i wouldn't rely on maybe some of the guys chipping in all the time that have been other than hey, the top line. But um, if they get if they get their players back and those guys keep chipping it in, this team is crazy. Like they'll win so many games this year if well, if, if those yeah. guys keep chipping in because they'll just be scoring down the lineup that they've not had like for years. So you sit there with that and go, you know, you you're trying to find a a silver lining here. It's like if these guys get confidence enough to go, you know, I can play at this level and I can chip in and score every now and then. If you're getting one goal from your bottom six every game, pretty unlikely you're not going to get 
two goals from your top two lines when you've got Gino back. So you know, it makes them very hard to beat. Yeah, and that's why this winning streak is so great because Evgeny Malkin is not playing right now. And that's such a huge part of being an actual contender. So, you know. It also means they don't have to rush him back. That is, in- and you don't have to uh, put the GM in a spot for a desperation trade. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that I've noticed with all pro sports is that if your team's chugging along like Pittsburgh is at the moment, it gives those guys the extra week or so, you know, the extra three or four games to actually be fully healthy. So they're not coming back playing the season at 80% the rest of the way. And that's going to be vitally important because Gino breaks down all the time. It's just been one of the negatives of, it's just been one of the negatives of his body. No, I, I do think he put it in a good summer. but Yeah, and then he does a hamstring. So you just sit there with it and go, God damn it. Is that what it is? I I have watched I watched how he hurt himself, and I reckon he did his hamstring trying to keep his balance after he clipped Latang's skate. And it was just, yeah, that's what I reckon he did. I reckon he tore a hammy. The timeline for how oh, long yeah. I reckon he's out for, it's not a knee. It's none of that. It's muscular. So he tore a hammy or a calf or something, trying to keep his get his balance back. So I said we would talk about that um, the defense, and I do. Branson not putting up them analytic numbers from last year. <laughs> it's almost like he had 500 games played elsewhere. Jack Johnson still looking like Jack Johnson. In fact, I think he was on the ice for both goals tonight, one of which he did not do what you're taught in youth hockey you're the weak side defender on a transitional situation. You shade towards the middle. He was towards the boards and hence had his breakaway. He's He's been complete crap. How, Still. how do you get to this level and not just automatically drift in? Surely by now, that's just it's just a natural response. I don't know. I, I want to see a different view of it. Maybe he was chasing a hit or something. That's but he worse. wasn't there. He wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was a huge gaping hole in the middle. And Marino tried to, to... Jamie Ben made a nice feathering pass that Marino tried to, like, tip out of the air. It didn't work. Um, but Hintz went right in on a fucking breakaway. <laughs> like, where's the help? How does that even happen? So... I do want to talk a little bit about John Marino. Do I think he will maybe eventually be a bottom pairing defenseman for the Penguins? Yes. Do I like some of the things he has shown? Yes. Do I also think the standard for a bottom pairing defenseman for the Pittsburgh Penguins has been 
just lowered to the point of just being totally pathetic? Yes. <laughs> I like that he gets his feet moving. I like that he makes some controlled passes to the forwards and that kind of stuff. It's the fucking NHL. I've got friends I play with now that know how to do that stuff. And we're nobodies. We have to analyze this relative to the fucking league they play in. What The bottom pairing defensemen do not have to be completely inept of getting your feet moving and hitting uh, another player in stride. Yeah, but that's the thing. The bar is so low because of how bad the bottom pairing defensemen have been that he's cleared that bar. And so everyone's like, oh, my God, look at this kid. Again, this is a nuanced conversation like Tanev. This one isn't so much cap-based. Oh, this is performance-based. <laughs> he, he is doing some some things that you see and are fine. But the results from shot attempts and expected goals has been not great. Quality of teammate does matter. But his numbers are even worse than those guys. So what did you? Is it literally because you see it on Twitter a lot, where everyone's like, "Oh my God, Marino, he's done this, he's done that," and you go, "Great," but what are the results of that? And you know, he's kind of getting caved at his own end, giving up lots of shots. So I don't. Like, the stuff that he does isn't that flashy, right? For people to suddenly get there and go, wow, this, we've got one here, haven't we? When he has time and space, he does fine things. But everybody in the NHL... That's my standard for the fucking NHL, though. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? If you give... My college hockey team wasn't great relative to the league. We we, we had our struggles. But even <laughs> even like anybody on our team given time and space could could step aside like our defenseman could could carry it step to the side and and hit a guy. So again to your point like our, the standards have been lowered so much. Yeah. To like, oh my God, this kid. I can't believe it. He hit the guy in stride. Like, what does that say about Good Branson and Johnson? Well, the other thing about it is, like, we joked about this prior to the podcast. Ruedel can do that. Yeah, he can't even get on the ice. That guy signed with Pittsburgh for two years. He's, he got fucked last year, and he's like, Sign me up for two more. But I'll give him this. He's getting paid regardless. So, Chad, good job. But, Chad... I'd say Chad. I, obviously, I don't know him on a first-name wow. basis. <laughs> uh, he wants to play. I'm shocked he signed back. I reckon he got told by Rutherford that they're going to move some defensemen and he'll be on the ice. Yeah, 
And yeah, they haven't been able to do that. They got nine freaking defensemen, and they're playing Yuso Rikola on the on a left wing. Like, it's just <laughs> these are like small things that bother me about the the management of the team, and it goes back to the five defensemen in Rutherford's first year that they were playing because he didn't want to listen to Botterill about the Knicks balling contract. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what, what are we doing? And, and Ricola, like, that's a weird situation, too. He never plays. Um, I, I am not bullish on him at all, but, like, he's still there. His numbers are favorable if you're comparing him to Jack Johnson. But he I, does cost like three million less. What I don't understand is that it's like, are they playing Johnson and Good Branson so they can say, here, they're still competent NHL guys. Somebody please come and take them from us. If the coaching staff is as confident in Marino as they're making out, why wouldn't you play Rickler or Rue Riedel with him? And see if the that pair can move the puck and, and get themselves out of the zone so they're not being as often as they are. So that's just ridiculous. I will say this. Results say that Johnson Gabranson's better than Marino with either of them. Which is amazing when you say well, that. We, that are dealing, we are dealing with a very small sample, but that is the truth to this point. A trade needs to be made. Like, you know, Rutherford can say, there's, I don't know, there's not a market. No shit, there's not a market. You <laughs> signed these motherfuckers and traded for them at way above market value. Dirt. Like, yeah, no shit. No one wants Jack Johnson at $3.25 million. No one wants Gabranson at $4 million. No fucking shit. That's where the criticism comes from. Because there's no, there's no escape plan. There's no out. It's just nuts. But it's frustrating. The Chris Chris Letang's playing great. Yeah, he's made some bad plays. No shit, they all do. All the best players have giveaways. It's because the puck's always on their stick. Tonight, go look at that goal. The 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 double deke, that's my jam. Like that, <laughs> those plays are why I watch hockey. Oh, you it's, don't watch it, it for the bump and grind in the corners? Um, not really. <laughs> bump and grinding in the corners is fun as a player. It's not as fun as an entertainment product. No. Um, I do want to speak to the middle pair a little bit. They've been getting better. They they started the year not so hot, but Pedersen and Schultz have been um, growing a little bit, getting a little bit better, and that is promising for when Malkin returns that maybe he will have some competent puck movers helping him out. Um, when Spider-Man gets back with Malkin, um, I am curious who's going to play with them 
I mean, I do think it's a foregone conclusion that Galchenyuk and Malkin will be the duo. Who do you think will be on the right wing? I might try Rust there. They've actually got, if healthy, they've actually got quite a lot of players that are interchangeable up and down the lineup. Or do you put Bugstad on the right well, side? That was sort of where I was I was headed, and then you can put Rust down on the third line with McCann and Tanev, and that's quick. Yeah, that is quick. So, I mean, because it's, it's probably the one thing against Bugstad is he's not the slickest of skaters. But if you've got a guy like Malkin who can buy someone like Bugstad time, and you've got Galchenyuk there, theoretically the trigger man, just ready to just shoot, then... It should theoretically work, but, you know, it's easy to and, say that on paper. And Bugstead has had success on the wing in yeah. the past. So I do like a little bit of that flexibility. Um, it's just a matter of who who do you want to center the third line, I guess. I don't think they'll, I don't think they'll have anything settled for the whole year. I think they'll flip-flop everybody around. And that could be a good thing, or it could mean that they never feel comfortable. Kind of hoping they 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 leave that top line alone. I would I would like to see um, Malcolm when he gets back actually get to play with Latang and Dumoulin because I actually think you could play Schultz and Pedersen with Sid's line, and you're not going to get a drop off. Ah, I'd be shocked. I don't think they will. I I just I would like them to try that and and see if you can, you know totally get everything out of Malkin you possibly can because Sid's ridiculous in the sense that you have to be really, really bad to tank him. And Schultz and Pedersen aren't that bad. So I think it wouldn't it wouldn't stop his production. That's all. And and back to the Dominic Simone point, I I think it's maximizing his value as a complementary player, and I think that you need to frame it that way. He's a complementary player. Yeah, if he's going to complement his... two really great players. You put him down on the third line. He's not exactly going to earn tangible points. Is he the plays he's keeping alive? Because that is his strength, in my opinion. You're keeping plays alive for guys that can finish. Aren't well you, on the top line, yes, but yeah, you drop, drop him down. It's yep. okay. The play's alive, Absolutely. but then it's dead again because. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. They they obviously have to trade some people. Uh, generally, that might be a good idea at some point. I just can't see what they're going to get back. It's like, what are you going to do? So you trade. Say you get rid of your seven million dollar third pairing. What are they getting back? Like, well, that's the problem. Back? I'm not looking for value. I'm looking for not negative value. It's, yeah, it's just you know, people. Everybody knows that they're trash. So how are you going to get rid of this trash to get somebody else's trash? Like you can't even go. Oh, we'll just have the cap space. Thanks. Nobody's going to give you. Just a draft pick for three point five mil, are they? Yeah, they are because it doesn't make sense. Somebody will do it just because. Just because NHL. 
Yeah, and then people will be like, told you. <laughs> and it'll be like, yep, you got me. I'm owned. Somebody made a really dog shit decision. You got me. And that's how it's going to work. Because so much of the NHL is just really remedial. He shouldn't get a pat on the back for fixing his own mistake. Oh, well, stop it. That's that's his best attribute, that he knows when to move on. And that, well, that actually isn't a bad attribute. No, no, in and of itself, no. But how <laughs> about we know when to, like, find somebody to not move on from? Yeah. How about how about that? Um and it's not fair to like say that you got a bad a thousand. But we're not asking for that. Since twenty seventeen it has not been that at all. So But I'll say this. Super impressed with the results. Five in a row. Season well on its way, super successful, you know, micro-analyze all you want, they're 6-2. and two. And that's pretty amazing, considering the shit they've had to deal with so far. Yeah, no, they've, done, they've done really well because of it. And, the yeah, as we said earlier, the season could have been up in smoke and constantly trying to catch up, which is always hard, and they're not now. So they're going to have a flat patch at some point during the year. Every team does. That's how it works. But having a flat flat patch at the start of the year or the end of the year always seems to shake teams up mentally because you're either trying to play catch up or you're trying to make sure that you're not playing bad when you go into the playoffs. So Yeah, know, but I think they're on pace for 72-10. and 10. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they're the Bulls now, are they? MJ Sid Not really Sid (laughs) Sid won't be suspended by the commissioner For gambling No this is true He won't go off And then then spin it off I want to join the curling league (laughs) (laughs) Actually you know what I bet Sid would be a better baseball player Than Michael Jordan I reckon a lot of the NHL would be... Frank's home runs at PNC. (laughs) Sid has way better eye-hand coordination swinging a a stick or a bat than Michael Jordan. Sid Sid could hit Major League pitching, I bet, if you gave him a significant amount of time to practice. It feels like he's one of those annoying... Athletes. So. Put him well, into a situation for, for a month and he'd be very, very good at whatever that sport would be. Well, tomorrow, they get Vegas. Today. You're probably listening today. Or maybe even after the Vegas game. But Pittsburgh will be playing Vegas tomorrow. That, that will be the first... Super test of the year. 
they get out of that one with some points. I mean, holy shit, what a start to well, the year. Well, a few reasons for that. Vegas didn't play today, and uh, Pittsburgh are going back-to-back. You know it's at home. But are they going to play Jerry, or are they going to play Murray? Like, I'm, I'm glad that Fleury's playing. I think the fans deserve that. I know he didn't last time. Last year... They, they played Flurry against Washington the night before. Um, and I know coaches can't make choices based on the... Yeah, the other team's stuff. fans. Yeah, so, <laughs> like, it it it's good that Flurry is, is getting the start in Pittsburgh because he means a lot to a lot of people there. <laughs> he does happen to be their best goalie, obviously. And, um, you know, they get, Pittsburgh gets out of that game with a win. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. They've got a little bit of magic floating around at the moment, if that's the case. And then you got so, Tampa Bay coming up next week. Uh, Florida hasn't been off to the greatest start, but they're, um, they're one of those teams that's going to be fighting for a playoff spot in the Atlantic. Um, you know, keep buying time. Even if tomorrow goes, like, brutal, who cares? Five in a row. Ten points. Ten standings points. That just sounds wrong when you say it out loud. Yeah, like they did it. And um, buys a lot of freebies for, um, you know, the playoff stuff. But it buys uh, Rutherford a little bit of not, not panicking, which is uh, immensely beneficial uh for the team so yeah you're right they have actually bought themselves quite a lot of time because yeah they're second in the fucking conference (laughs) not only that though but for them to fall out of the wild card spot like montreal have got eight points and they've done it on a 3-2-2 two, two record, right, out of seven games. Yeah, they've they've got a cushion. And I would never have said that considering the amount of players that have just been falling apart. Yeah, they got they've they've gotten the contributions, uh, result based contributions that they need right now. And you know, maybe it's not sustainable, but uh, this is kind of the who gives a shit part of the year (laughs) like this is a not our real roster who gives a fuck if the process isn't right I'm a a big process person but I'm also realistic who cares and the process quite frankly hasn't been horrible they just don't have the skill and the fact that they're scoring at the rate that they are might be proving me wrong. Well, Minnesota sucks. <laughs> they're a fucking they mess. Um, they did tag Winnipeg back, which it's funny. Winnipeg dialed them up when they had like no NHL defensemen, and then they go back <laughs> to Winnipeg and, and fuck them up. Because <laughs> hockey's stupid sometimes. So hockey's very random. But should be um, should be interesting. I look forward to 
Bukestad and Rust joining the lineups, seeing kind of the combinations they do with that. So uh, Penguins doing doing what they got to do. Uh, full marks uh, to the team. So might be it. Anything else? No, I don't think so. There's nothing that's you know very exciting going on around the league at the moment. Really, is there? I can't think of anything. Sabers in first. Oh, that's just crazy, isn't it? (laughs) No, it's it's not exciting. It's they're kind of in the same boat. (laughs) Results are great. Process, We'll, we'll see. Colorado. How much fun are they to watch? Yeah. Yeah. They're they're good. They're in great they're great as far as long term projections. The money for all their players is right. The age is right. Um they have potential to blast off. Maybe not this year, but yeah. It's it's amazing because they were uh, a team we picked on not too long oh, ago. Oh yeah, yep. Some of the decisions we thought were silly, absolutely. Well, you know, the, you get rid ca- of Patrick ca- Waugh's Kadri- ancient bullshit, yeah. and um, Eric Parnas and Dawson Spriggins. Uh, I I think it would be laughable to not say that the analytical approach in Colorado is not working. <laughs> so, be interesting to see how Kadri goes now that he's not around Babcock. Minnesota sucks. When is Boudreaux getting fired, and when is he going to Toronto? That would be fun. I, you know, I think the thing for me with Babcock is that. I just don't think he's that great a coach. He just puts himself into positions where he's got great teams, right? I don't think he's played appointment or anything like that. He's a great politician. Well, go into politics. Agreed. Well, that'll wrap us, I reckon. Yep. Um, yeah. Greatest. <laughs> <laughs> my my mic unplugged there. I had to plug it back in. That's, that's That was the problem there. I had scrambled, and, and much like when you plug in things, you never have it the right side. Not good enough, man. Half, prof- half professional. <laughs> you know, the process of this podcast was fine. You try to finish at the end. It doesn't happen. I did not have Gabriel Landeskog to, to kick it in the net for me. <laughs> My finishing skills were not good enough. So that's what happened. So... All right, we'll just have to worry about it next podcast. Yeah, right then, eh? So Vegas on the cusp tomorrow, and the Florida teams, and we'll see if Pittsburgh can keep 
just piling up the, the standings points like they have been. Uh, and we will see you next time. Catch you guys. <laughs>